0: Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the sixth Sunday after Pentecost for the week of July 9th, 2023, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to begin this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we have crossed over the halfway point of the year. It's kind of crazy to think about, and especially as I keep doing these podcasts week after week, it is kind of amazing to take a step back, take a moment back, And realize just how far we've come along in the year. And I think it's one of those things where if you've set New Year's resolutions or if you've set different goals and things, it takes moments to be able to acknowledge and think about some of the different things that are going on that we are wanting to try to achieve year to year. I know for me, I can't leak really a ton about it. There is some big things that I am planning on having here on the back half of this year. I'm waiting for some things to happen before I officially announce things, and I'm really excited about what that could be, what that can bring. I think we have definitely seen that there is some room for some additional things here within the podcast, and I'm really excited about it, but... I also know that it's something that's going to take some time, take some work, and I don't want to promise something before it's a little bit more baked than it is right now. But I think also like when we think about that in the scheme of things, it's very similar to like within our own lives, how often we have these goals and things that we need to do or want to do and how many steps it takes to get there and how... At times we give up too early or at times we get discouraged. And I think it's sometimes it takes us acknowledging a year is a long time. A year can do a lot of things. So don't get disheartened. Don't get down on yourself because you haven't been able to achieve it yet. Give yourself time to be able to do it. Ties a little bit into when we are thinking about the question for last week, which was what groups do you feel are really well connected together? I know when I looked at the Wonder Wednesday post for this last week, I put snow geese as something that, especially if you've ever seen them migrate together and create their snowstorms as they rise out of the water together or rise as a group together. It's pretty impressive and it's amazing to me watching snow geese and how when they're even coming in the land, how they don't hit each other as they're kind of skimming across the pond as they're coming in for whatever dinner brunch. And I think it's amazing to think about that and to look at that. But I think this is a question also that gets to the heart of not necessarily just groups, but how are we connected together as a whole? And This week's where we'll be going with the text is going to tie back to last week's, which we talked a little bit about regenerative farming. We're going to get a little bit more into something that is very well connected within that. So I think it's this idea of being connected. What does that actually mean? What does that actually look like? And how do we as people learn to be more connected? I think in a world that we are more connected than ever, but we're also disconnected more than ever. I think those are some important questions for us to be thinking about. So let's just jump right into it. This week is a little bit crazy because like we have throughout the summer here, we'll have alternative first readings. But within one of the first readings, again, they have the Psalms that go with those. But in one of these, it has a Psalm or something from the Song of Solomon. So there's a lot of reading. So let's just jump into it. The first opportunity into the Old Testament this week is out of Genesis chapter 24, verses 34 to 38, 42 to 49, and 58 to 67. This is when Abraham sends one of his servants to go and find a wife for Isaac. And especially to Western ears, especially to more 21st century Western thought in particular, this sounds very weird because you have where God is going to provide, this is what I'm looking for, and Rebecca ends up coming out and offering a drink of water, not only for the person, but for the camels. And this is kind of what had been foretold. He spends very little time with her and kind of then, do you want to come with me to marry this man? There's a little bit of back and forth with her father on this, finally getting to Rebecca. Are you willing to do this? And she says, yeah, I'm down for this. And as they are traveling back, she then gets the glimpse of Isaac and what all of this procession of possessions that has been there and she is overwhelmed with this connection to isaac and then we get here in the last verse that this is comforting to isaac as he's getting over his mother's death which happened a couple chapters before this so sarah is gone Isaac is now going to be wed and Abraham is still around and you have the weird unique we're going to say unique wedding story of Isaac and Rebekah. So the psalm that you can select with this is Psalm 45 verses 10 to 17. So this is, again, because of the story that we just heard, you're getting a little bit more of that language of like seeking a lover type. So here, oh daughter, consider and incline your ear, forget your people and your father's house, tying a little bit into the Rebecca story and the gifts and the wealth. But also this is a psalm of us recognizing the gifts that God has for us in recognizing and inclining our ears to what God is wanting us to go and strive toward instead of just where we're wanting to be and recognizing that there is celebration and enough to be provided not only for you in this time but for generations to come. The alternative to that is Song of Solomon chapter 2 verses 8 to 13. This, then, is the love song of Solomon where you start getting some unique language on describing a lover. So, my beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing in at the windows, looking through the lattice. My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. For now the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on earth, the time of singing has come. The voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth figs, the vines are in blossom, they give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my fair one, come away verses 9 to 13. This love song, this playing into the Rebecca and Isaac love story, that idea of being overwhelmed with the love that God has for us. The other alternative Old Testament text this week is out of Zechariah chapter 9 verses 9 to 12. And this is rejoicing in what God has done. God has continued to provide and have dominion over what is going on. And in doing that is able to guide us to places where God is wanting us to be, but also to peace in certain ways, a peace within us, not necessarily always around us, but a peace within us. And the covenant that has been made is this stronghold. And this is what gives us the hope to continue to, give this time to the lord the psalm that goes with that then is psalm 145 verses 8 to 14 and this then is a psalm of recognizing the character of who god is the steadfast love how the compassion that god has for us even as we continue to stray that as we continue to recognize this we continue to try to go back and recognize the glory of what god has done this everlasting kingdom, this thing that's provided for generations, this is overwhelming of what God has done for us. The second reading or the epistle text this week is out of Romans chapter 7 verses 15 to 25a. This is the little bit of the change-up text I feel like this week, and this is the recognition that the law is good, but it's sin that dwells within us and that there is this desire for us to do good, but yet the desire is sometimes overcome by the sin, the desires of our own flesh, the things that get in the way within our relationship with God, and that just obeying the law isn't necessarily going to help us build the relationship to the place where God is wanting it. And this internal fight that we hear Paul going through here of I'm trying, but yet I continue to fall short. And thanks be to God that Jesus came. This recognition of Jesus rescuing, but it doesn't mean that the fight is worth giving up on. This fight that we continue to go through because it's drawing us closer to God, even though we continue to fall short. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 to 19 and 25 to 30. And this is Jesus kind of going on a bit of a rant here on how we fall short so much. That we are trying to reach these goals and things that we're having, and yet as the humans that we are, we continue to fall short. And the verses that get omitted is then some woes that Jesus throws out to specific cities that are falling short. And then we get a little hope here at the last six verses here that we have a father in heaven. We have a creator who has this gracious will and that is extending it out to us for creation through his son and that we should be coming and laying the heavy burdens on Christ. This recognition of there is only so much you can do and recognize that as you lay it on Christ, as you continue to work that relationship and talk it through, the guiding of where to go and how to do it will become easier. The yoke will become lighter. The idea of oxen yoke, that you would yoke your oxen, becomes lighter. The burden is easier the more people you have working on it than just carrying it by one lonesome. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we do a shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between the Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis. They'll give me some perspective and some different ideas on how to bring this podcast along with the commentaries and other discussions and their podcasts that are going on over there. So if you haven't checked out WorkingPreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I really enjoy how they lay out the text week to week, but they also have prayers, liturgical colors, hymns, but most importantly, the art. It is so important for us to be able to see how different people have interpreted these texts to give us some insight into new ideas and different ways of looking at things. So if you haven't checked that out, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the links below for the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising Publications. These are either a weekly reflection, looking at the text week to week, looking at different ecological echoes, implications, and urgencies to be able to bring into your weekly preaching, or it's a monthly newsletter to talk about some different events that are going on that might be applicable to your faith life and even your preaching life, if that's something that you're looking at. I'd highly recommend it. The EcoFaith Network coming from the Northeast Minnesota Synod. It's an amazing resource. I have looked through it multiple times. And in fact, in the second half of the year, I will be doing one for you. I'll let you know when that's coming up. But it's a great resource, so I'd highly recommend checking that out. We struggle as humans with the concept of recognizing that God provides for us. And the reason that I say that is we struggle with this idea because, and we've talked about this discussion before, where there is no such thing as some self-made man, even though the, especially the American narrative is tightened up by the bootstraps, we do it on our own, we will figure it out. And yet, that's not true. And no matter how often we hear in Scripture how God continues to provide, we continue to think that we are the ones To do all the providing. And it's weird because we know that, for instance, for most of us in a retirement package, that you're going to put money away, that it's going to go through compound interest. You're going to probably maybe do some additional investments. And there are certain things within that that are beyond your control. And there's the trust that others are going to help you with it, there's the trust that. We're going to take the history that we've known from the past and take a gamble that it's going to be similar in the future. And as we learn more and more information, sometimes it's helpful for us to realize that, yeah, that's okay. And sometimes that's not. But it's the recognition in all of it that there's this point where we can't do it all. And that's perfectly okay. When we listen to that first Old Testament text that we went through in Genesis, it seems really weird to our ears. But think about it. Abraham is setting up an arranged marriage for Isaac, and it's not even that Abraham is going. He sends a servant. This is what I am looking for for my son. Go and do, and this is what God has told me to be looking for. And then you even have the discussion with the father of Rebekah where there's some discussion back and forth as they are negotiating in a certain way, figuring out what this is all going to mean. Because it's a huge shift in the story. It's a huge shift in Rebecca's life and Rebecca's family's life. And yet we continue to read through Genesis and how Isaac and Rebecca are provided for. And that here we even get... At the end of this text that Rebecca came and comforted Isaac as he was dealing and mourning his mother's death. There's multiple things that we're picking up there. That there was hardship, and that is okay to have hardship within this life, but yet God is still going to be there to not necessarily try to fix it, but there to comfort and help in that process of us moving forward. This last week, there was some fairly alarming news and i'll attach actually i found the whole research article in the resources bound below but from 1993 to 2010 the globe has shifted its tilt and we are seeing more and more this is humans interacting this the earth's tilt has changed by 31 and a half inches or 80 centimeters And a major cause of this is because of the amount of groundwater that humans have pumped from the earth. So not only are we having the issue of the warming climate, which then is melting glaciers and rising sea level, but on top of this, now because of how we are pumping water... Specifically in the western states of the United States, and what I had also heard was potentially northern India, that with the pumping of water to help with crops and moving that water around, we have shifted the earth 31 and a half inches on its tilt to the east, if I'm understanding this correctly. What does this actually mean? I think it means a few things. One, being a person who lives in the Midwest, in the upper Midwest, occasionally here in the United States, because of how much of our crops are from specifically the Southwest, but the Southern half of the United States and how often there is a lot of drought there. there There's often things where, why don't we just pump water from specifically like Lake Superior and bring it to... These areas where they are more in drought. And I think we are now starting to understand that this is causing now potentially a bigger wobble within the earth's rotation. And maybe that's not the best thing to do. But this kind of builds on the argument and what we talked about last week of regenerative farming. We need to be able to understand what we are taking out and what isn't being replenished what we're starting to understand is we have pumped so much water and diverted so much water and changed where the water goes and where they're assuming this water has ended up is in the ocean so this additional water that used to be in the ground which helped stabilize the earth has now moved out into the ocean and now we're seeing the effects we're having areas that they are running dry their groundwater levels have been depleted to a substantial state and they aren't being able to be replenished at the rate at which we are consuming so this gets back to the question of is sustainability really the answer and in this case no sustainability isn't going to cut it it's replenishing now we have to rejuvenate regenerative farming i think this kind of reiterates some of these things within us when i listen to this story of the earth tilt i think of this romans text that we have the desire to do good and if we are able to move the water we're able to grow more and if we're able to grow more we're able to produce more food and if we're able to produce more food we can feed more people we can move that food around and it'll be great but the deeper you dig into it it's not a food production problem that we're really having it's a food distribution problem is a big problem of what we're actually having And now what we're realizing on top of it is the amount of work and effort and what we're putting in is hurting the environment. We've shifted the globe. We've literally shifted the globe. So what does that mean? I think that's where when Paul is talking about, okay, I have the law or in this case, I have the knowledge of what we have done. And now, do we keep doing the processes that have led to that? Or do I take that knowledge and change how we are doing things, and that is more difficult, and it's going to require more thought, more work, and it's going to be harder, initially at least, to do that. So what does that mean? What does that mean to change what we're doing so dramatically? The gospel in verse 16 But what will I compare this generation? It's like children sitting in a marketplace calling to one another. We play the flute for you and you will not dance. We wailed and you will not mourn. We find things to bicker about. And sometimes when things are being presented to us, it is difficult for us to hear. It's easy for me in the northern Midwest to talk about we shouldn't send our water there. And now here's additional support on why. Because I don't have to worry about water. For the most part... My groundwater aquifers are fine. There's other concerns, maybe not getting enough rain where things dry up, but even that, I trust that there will be rain at some point where there's other areas that they're running out of groundwater and the rain isn't coming. And that's a much different argument. It's a much different discussion. And I think it's something that as a world, then we have to work together to understand Maybe what we have been doing, we can't do anymore. But then we have to trust. We have to work together. We have to rethink things. And sometimes that's hard. But yet, that's where we have the love of your life can come in an unexpected way. How God continues to provide. And we can see that even in the Zechariah text this week. This understanding of the love that God does have for us, even when it's hard. And we get that in the second half of the gospel as well it sometimes means that we have to admit that we've made a mistake. And I think sometimes as humans, that's one of the hardest things for us to do. Heck, we have a hard time being able to confront people and acknowledge when we've made a mistake without using the word but or giving some qualifier on why we did what we did so that we should be justified on what we did. And how often do we even go to the creator and say that? How often do we even get to the point where acknowledging to the creator that we did mess up, that we have fallen short? That sin has taken the best of us. And as much as we are wrestling to try to do the right thing, we've fallen short yet again. The question I have for you this week is, where have you fallen short? Where have you fallen short? I can point to my life and there's a lot of ways where I fall short. I've fallen short in relationships with people who should be close to me that I haven't done a good job with. I've fallen short with just people. There's times I've fallen short at my work where I didn't live up to maybe the expectations that I had for myself, much less what the expectations that others had for me. I've fallen short with being an environmentalist. There's plenty of ways that I could be much better at that. And it's kind of funny sometimes when I talk about this stuff and realize how far short I still fall. But I think it's acknowledging it is a big step. And the more that we are able to acknowledge and work together in acknowledging this, the more brains that we have together, the more that we are then laying it on Christ. The more oxen that we actually have then to pull the trailer. Instead of pulling it alone, we suddenly have a group of people working together to help carry that burden. And we know that that makes the burden lighter. Hence, we are even told that. And who says that? God isn't in there in the midst with us anyways. That It's not that we're carrying Christ, but Christ is right there with us as oxen carrying the cart of our sin right there with us. We have a world that over the next 20 years, we have a lot of questions and at this point, not a lot of answers to a lot of things that we need to change or work on or do. And that means... As individuals companies corporate bodies being able to admit when we've messed up and not just try to explain it away say we turned a blind eye to it personally it's been one of the things that I over the last few years have been really trying to work on is my apologies my apologies not just giving a qualifier immediately after to try to lighten the blow speak it as a statement Speak my apology as a statement and where I messed up in explaining that and admitting that. I think as a global community, it's something that we have to do to the rest of the global community that isn't human. I think we have some apologies that we need to give out. That we have fallen short of being a good gardener. And now with this information that we are learning, where the earth has literally shifted, are we going to change our ways? Or are we going to try to hide it and just let it beat us up? Or are we gonna try laying it down so that we can be hooked into the yoke that Christ has for all of us so that we can all work together to try to figure this out. Groundwater and water in and of itself is a very valuable resource and we all need it. And I think it means then we need to be able to work together and think it through on how best are we going to solve these problems by working together. Maybe listening to something that's beyond our human understanding. Maybe the environment can teach us something on how it heals and in that process can help us heal. We've talked about that some before in the podcast on the healing stories where nature does a great job at that. And I think it exemplifies who our creator is. But in order to heal, you have to acknowledge that there is something there that needs to be healed. And I wonder if that's somewhat what we are hearing here in our New Testament text this week. And our reminder in our Old Testament text that God does provide, and we just sometimes have to let God provide. I don't know about you, but that's something I need to work on. And sometimes it starts with a drop of water and realizing how precious it is. So. We'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.